Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. Fable and the Verbivore are affiliates of the tool that we're about to talk about. <laughs> so, in full disclosure, we want to let you know that. And we also want to just share with you some of our thought process. We do this podcast for the fun of it. We enjoy it. We love talking about books and stories and our writing, and we love getting to know a community of other writers and readers together. But this podcast does cost money. It costs money to produce and put out a podcast into the world. We pay for a website and hosting and all of that, and we'd like to start covering some of those costs and maybe even making a little income from this project. So in interest of that, we have um, signed up for some affiliate programs, and we're going to start sharing some of those with you. We're really selective about what we're going to share, and we fully believe in the affiliates that we'll sign up with. So in a few minutes, we'll spend a good deal of time talking about one of those affiliate programs and also giving some tips on writing. We've learned through that affiliate program ourselves. So hopefully, even if you don't sign up or if you're not interested in the affiliate program at all, you should still get something out of this episode. But right now, we also want to tell you about another affiliate program that we are part of with The Stories Between Us, uh, with Sean Smucker and Miley Silva. They have both been on our podcast a couple of times, actually. Uh, they started around the same time as we did, and we just we love their writing, and we love the things they're putting out in the world and firmly believe in what they're offering. So they are offering a new course. It is a course on memoir writing. They will study the craft of writing a memoir together as a group. There will be kind of a, a forum and a collective sharing aspect to the course, as well as some teaching along with that. They are currently doing a novel writing course that has just gone really well and been a gift to so many people. And so now they're doing this memoir course. You can find out more in the show notes with links to sign up. If you sign up, we get a percentage of that, and that helps us keep this podcast rolling and and you get something awesome out of it too through the class. So we love supporting things like that that we believe in. And we hope that you'll help support us as well by signing up for some of those things that um, we send your way. Okay, I'm done with all the awkward money talk. Let's move on to the podcast. Are you ready for it? I'm like excited and excited and like <laughs> there are so many things that are like going through my head but I'm like that's yeah oh I feel the same okay so yes today we are talking very specifically about one resource that Laura and I have found helpful up front this resource costs money <laughs> some yes. um some some things we have spent money on we don't feel are worth it and other things we feel are and this is one that we feel like I, I at least feel like it's been incredible for my own writing process. Super helpful. I re like yes. refer to it all the time. You might even be able to guess what it is because I, we definitely talk about this resource on the podcast <laughs> quite regularly. So today we are talking about masterclass and it is um, November. So usually they do have a deal at the end of November so that you can be looking for it. <laughs> That's how okay. Laura and I got started. Actually, Laura very graciously gifted me a a membership my first year and I was hooked after that yep. <laughs> so, and my husband was like he's like even a, more obsessed than I am um, <laughs> but Laura and I thought it would be kind of fun to kind of just talk through 
some of what we've learned from that those classes, some of the classes that we've taken, some of our favorite ones, things that we that stood out to us from that. Yeah, and we hope that we hope that even if you don't do masterclass, you'll find something yes. of value in this in this episode of the podcast and that we can at least impart some of the things that we've learned from it. Honestly, I don't know where to start though because well, there's a lot. Like yes. I, I've watched 11 of the writing ones so far and I didn't realize it had even been that many until I sat That's down awesome. and was like, oh. <laughs> well, and I think do you mind if we start with actually the free part of the resource? Because I think that's it's a good thing to say is yeah, yeah. they they do have great articles. And that's yeah. the thing is those articles are free. You do have to scroll down to see them, but they have great things on hero's journey. And in fact, we've actually referenced their articles yeah. many times. So even if you just, you know, in a search engine, put in masterclass and like point of view or masterclass, um, tension, suspense, adventure, usually something comes up. And those are great resources. They have great lists. They have great um, kind of beginning points where you can find information to then continue your research. So that's some place at least it's free and then you can start there. Yeah, Um, for sure. Do you want to just... Yeah, how about favorites? Like, do you have... Of the ones you've watched, are there a couple that have stood out to you or that have been your favorites? Yes. Most of the ones that I'm going to mention, I've actually taken very recently because those things, you know, are really potent on my brain. So the the greatest one that I've recently done um, is a combination of LeVar Burton, um, who is, he did Reading Rainbow on Mm -hmm. PBS many, many years ago. I grew up with that, watching his his show and having stories read to me by by him. He's also an actor from Star Trek. He uh, he played Jordy. He does lots of things within the acting field. And his is on um, basically the art of storytelling. Hmm. He looks at- I haven't watched his yet. (laughs) I'm super interested. Tell me all the things to talk about. Yep. (laughs) So I won't try to like give it all away, but he he does this wonderful connecting with story and your material, um, whether it's you're reading it or you're writing it or you're um, acting in it. He does a lot about that emotional connection to it, about being vulnerable and being authentic as you're doing it, uh, the rhythm of language, both from a reading it out loud standpoint, but also from writing it. Um, he has a children's book, by the way, that's this, that's um, I, didn't know that. I think it's, yeah, it's called The Rhino Who Swallowed a Storm, I believe. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is basically in the, and he mentions um, Mr. Rogers as mm-hmm. well, like Fred Rogers as kind of a storytelling hero for him um, yeah. who he met when he was working with PBS and it's a story for kids basically like going through trauma and looking mm-hmm. for the helpers looking for how to um, kind of find your feet mm-hmm. after that being able to kind of move forward and reconnect with the world I cried and <laughs> <laughs> then I bought like I bought copies of it for my entire family <laughs> for like nieces and and it's just a lovely story so that was one 
It also looked at imagination and um, I, especially as that superpower and I really connected with him. He's just also very a personable person. Um, So yeah, that, that's one of my favorites. I'm definitely adding that to my list. I think the only one that made me cry was Billy Collins and that was, I mean, he was reading lots of poetry, so (laughs) that's And that's, I think finding things that connect with us in such a way mm-hmm. that it reaches into that point that's I think part of what masterclass has to offer is yeah. you are hearing someone who does this and it's passionate about it like it is their jam like yeah and they're talking about it they're sharing the nuggets of truth that they've gleaned through you know they've come by right. the, the hard way that's I mean one it's like a life hack because yeah. <laughs> you get all of that knowledge and I don't think there's really at least that I've seen any other place that gathers that type of expertise together yeah where you get to see it in such a personal way well and they're all so different too like the writing ones will some of them will say similar things but they all come at it from their yes. own unique angle and I think mm-hmm. that's been fascinating too because you also get this sense for I, I don't know, for me, like watching a bunch of them has also given me this sense like there are a lot of ways to do this and yes. a lot of ways that are unique and different and different approaches to it that all work. And you can kind of come at it from any, you can pick and choose kind of what works for you or what resonates with you. And I really like that. Absolutely. Do you want to talk about one of your favorites? Um, well, I mean, the very first one I watched was Neil Gaiman and that one still is like, one of my favorites for so many reasons but I thought like I felt like that one had a lot of just um I mean especially like as someone who wants to write fantasy like there was a lot of really interesting nuggets in that realm like I really loved what he had to say about kind of twisting things like taking things that you already knew and just kind of tweaking them a little bit or twisting them a little bit or mashing different things together I think he he had an analogy about like a compost heap or like a garbage pile that you could just like pull from which yeah. was, which I thought was great and then I think something else that stood out for me in his was the idea of giving each character a different hat I think is how he said it or yes. like do you remember I'm trying to remember yes. like exactly because I know you watched that one too I, I, I think I have it in my notes here oh, making the memorable part, yeah. of, part of yeah he's yeah. kind of talking about like finding that thing that's unique to that character and and he yes. kind of uses this metaphor of like their unique cat or whatever. What's what's their funny hat that they're going to wear? Um, and it's, obviously it's not always a hat, but it's like finding that thing that makes them memorable in the reader's mind and makes them unique from yes. the other characters. And I, I have thought of that often and come back to that often, I think. I, I like that too. Like it's, it's like, I, I think for me, I've read books where you start being like, wait, who's that again? Yes. And I think that differentiation and and pointing it out that that could be a very big reader stumbling block. I mean, I know for me, Russian literature is so obnoxious because of that. You're like, everyone has a name that sounds the same, (laughs) right? Or they call them by 30,000 different names. And I love that. I love that. It's basically like appreciate your reader and, and help them in that way. Like, it yeah. doesn't mean that you have to like spell everything out for them. It's just right. make remembering who these characters are not part of that difficulty. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't. Well, and I think yeah. it's also that you don't have to describe everything about the character. Like you, you, it almost is better when you give the, the reader like 
one key fact that really like sums up what this character is like you know maybe it's something about how they sound or their voice or the types of words they use or maybe it's some particular feature or a scar or whatever it is or how they dress but you don't have to describe how every character dresses like you know or how what every character looks like or what color hair every character has even you know like absolutely you need there are things you can let the reader fill in and then there are things that that are really important to that character and picking the things that are important to that character and then using those to describe them and make them stand out I think yeah that just really stuck with me Absolutely. And I think we've talked about it once before, but I have to bring it up. I love how he basically talks about, you know, your first one, like your first draft is just trying to find your way through the fog. And sometimes the fog lifts and you're like, oh, that's the way. But most of it is driving, you know, without headlights. And then when you go through your second draft, that's when you make like you, you did it on purpose and knew where you're going yes. the entire time. And I think that is so it's such good advice. And yeah. it's it helps normalize the artists feeling lost as mm-hmm. they're trying to find the story. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things Masterclass brings too, is when you have an author who comes on and shows a bit of vulnerability of the like I'm not the genius who like comes (laughs) here and magically can do this you know I just sit down and it magically appears like someone who's you know says that you know it's work like it's it's work that makes me remember too like he also had some things about voice that he talked about that were really helpful for me and that helped me kind of relax a little bit because I think I had heard friends whose manuscripts had been rejected because they were told that their voice wasn't unique enough. And so I I had this like panicky feeling of like, how do I make my voice unique? How do I, you know? Mm. And I remember Neil Gaiman talking about how voice is just like, it's just the words you use like naturally and the things you do naturally, like it will come and it will come in your writing at, in time. And he was talking about how it just takes a lot of writing. Like you don't yes. find your voice the first story. You you know, it takes a few stories or maybe years like, to really find it, but yeah. you will find it if you just keep writing. And, and I, he talked about going back to his early manuscripts and looking at them and being like, oh, this is garbage, this is garbage. Oh, but right here, mm-hmm. that's me. That sounds like me. And you start to see these little pieces of like, okay, your voice kind of developing. And I, I found that really encouraging somehow. Yes, absolutely. And it's almost like some of that, and again, this is part of that process, you don't know what it feels like until you get there. But some of this is like, they get to tell you how it feels to to get there. And that's, it's almost like when you're giving birth and you're like, but wait, but how does, (laughs) how? And so having a lot of different ways of someone, you know, one person telling it that this is what it feels like and this is what it feels like you get that kind of gathered understanding of okay this is what it feels like I don't have to worry about that it's part of the process that comes from doing it (laughs) which is again that comfort of knowing also that you're not alone in it I also love he has a lot of interesting things to say about uh, writer's block Uh and kind of about that you know the resistance side of writer's block when it's like I just can't write and I think he kind of calls it out a little bit for what it is in that there is always something you can do there's always some certain things you can do even if you aren't able to move forward in that one that you're working on like there are different methods there's different yeah. yeah um and I liked that 
he really gave some great advice just of not letting that be a blank wall, like not letting it be the, oh, I can't write, but like go around the wall and not necessarily that you'll get all the answers right away, but do your, continue to write, continue to write in different areas and whatever it is that's blocking the story that you're in will free itself up. That's so good. Okay. What other ones have you really loved? I have worked through NK Jemison not all at once, but in sections, because to be honest, hers is so dense in the best way possible. She yeah. just has so much information in there. I'm, I mean, so useful about she's her expertise is in psychology. And so she yes. has so much to say about the human being class. side. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what she says about world building, about the human parts of world systems, looking at like micro things and macro things. Anyone who really wants a like 101 on world building, I feel like she's a great place to start because I don't think I've seen anything quite so the nuts and bolts, things to consider a lot of great ideas that I think yeah. spark other ideas. <laughs> I loved that. I think that one of the things that really stood out to me about hers was the way that she connected world building in the world, the physical world, with world building of the society, with character development. Does that make sense? Like it was also connected yes. in her her yes. ideology and system. <laughs> like that the, the the landscape of the world would affect the culture of the world and the culture of the world would affect the character. And that the, that character, I loved like she had these kind of pyramids that she talked about with like yes. different levels of the character's life and kind of these like internal drive and external drive and inner life and outer life and demographics and like all these things that kind of build on each other. Um, yes. that was just fascinating. Like it was definitely a level of world building and character development too, that I hadn't really thought through before. Absolutely. And, and even like talking about point of view from an immersion mm-hmm. level of where you want your reader to live within this world, yeah. what your character's viewpoint is. So the high immersion, which would be your you know first and second, yes. and then your lower like your medium immersion and then your like low lowest immersion it was yeah that was a great way to think about point of view yeah yeah and and the reasons for why you choose something Mm -hmm. and why you choose to give certain pieces of information why you would choose to come at it from your character is new to this world and trying to learn it just like the reader is I thought that that was especially from a fantasy and sci-fi perspective so helpful and even helpful in figuring out why sometimes like there's certain sci-fi books or fantasy books I'm like that's just not for me like Mm -hmm. I think that looking at it from sometimes books are they they follow kind of a tried and true thing but what they're the book that they're trying to write actually doesn't mesh well with it and so there's this weird like you feel like something's discordant and off but you don't know why I I like that she really um urged I think thinking about it and yes and even like with science and magic like I loved how she basically showed them as like 
two sides of one coin. Yeah. There's there's actually a Neil Gaiman book called Interworld that kind of plays with the landscape of mm-hmm. magic to science and kind of that tension. And I like that she, you know, she called Star Wars. <laughs> like the force is really yes. space magic. And I think starting to really connect with, okay, what is science and what is magic and what is the difference? What is the gray areas of that? Because there is places where that melts together. That was interesting. And I think kind of relieving in some ways, because you're like, okay, like this would fit within the magic side and you don't have to to explain that. Do all the heavy lifting to explain the science. Right. She talked about Mad Max Fury Road as a like she did it as an example and I as she started talking about it I have seen the movie and I actually very much enjoy it and she was talking about kind of the some of the lone um like the lone character like fighting against the odds and punching their way out and you know with a gun and you kind of I like how she showed how you can keep that type of story but also introduce a character that is diverse and fascinating. And she talked about the character for Furiosa. Okay. Um, so anyone who's not seen that movie, it's, it is a post-apocalyptic film where you have basically this kind of mad escape to try to get to kind of a better land. Um, and Furiosa is this character that's trying to kind of lead the way she's, she is, driving literally the truck to get them there she's a fascinating character who you don't get a lot of backstory for but she has this strength you get the feeling that she has trauma in her past she actually is missing part of her arm which you never know why but you get all of this meat behind the character Mm. and it's funny because she's like the, the film is called Mad Max but you get this really great character while also like fitting it within the Mad Max world and I love how she she showed why the development was in that character like Mm -hmm. she showed what that character was there to do and why she was the one that had all of the movement in who like who she becomes and what she does Mm -hmm. and I I always like movies because movies as examples especially ones that have been decently well seen that movie is fascinating because they actually storyboarded everything they didn't write they didn't start with the words they started with these storyboards um and so it was very visually driven Hmm. and I just I love when someone takes character arcs and breaks them down into the elements of them and you can really see them at work and functioning and I like I like how she worked on characterization from that psychological human perspective that sometimes you don't need all that backstory. Sometimes you just have to set your character in there with all of the elements that show that they have a backstory, that show that they didn't just spring up from the ground, that they, there was part of their story before there, but then you just have to let them go and let, let the tale tell the story let the choices that they make drive the yeah. story and I I really liked those elements of like how she talked about character from a psychological yeah. perspective I totally agree I think that was one of the biggest takeaways from that class for me too yeah what about you 
do you have another favorite? Yeah, um, I mean, I have a lot of favorites, so we can yep, keep going. Yep, go for it. <laughs> uh, I think one of the other ones that really stands out for me, though, is Dan Brown, because I feel like while all of them have been super helpful and super fascinating, there have been quite a few that I've watched that are not always, they're not always super practical or yes. like applicable to what I'm writing right now. You know, like sometimes it's very interesting and like, oh, that's fascinating, or maybe I'll use that in a future book or or that's good to know for once I get published or whatever, you know, like it's all really yeah. interesting information, but some tend towards more practicality and some to- tend towards more abstraction. And I think that I really appreciated that Dan, Dan Brown's was super practical, like, and very, um, like he just gave a lot of really good hands-on practical tips that I felt like I can apply this right now. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and some of it was stuff that I was already familiar with, like ticking clocks and stuff like that. But there was also stuff in there that I felt like was somewhat new to me. I mean, he talked, he talked a lot, probably the biggest thing that stands out to me is he talked about making contracts with the reader and making promises to the reader and then fulfilling on those and that you have to fulfill on all of them in some way, you know, one way or another, you can't raise something and then just like leave it hanging for, for the reader. And that you also can't like that you have to be constantly fulfilling and raising new questions. And I think that was really fascinating because at the time that I was watching it, I was also reading a couple of books, some that did that really well, and some that held questions for so long that I lost interest in them or that revealed questions so quickly that it dropped all the tension. And it was so fascinating to like see that in practice and to be like, oh, this is really true. Like you can really see it in a book when an author makes a promise to a reader, raises a question, starts this contract and then doesn't fulfill on that promise or holds off on fulfilling on that promise so long that I'm like, I'm already past it now. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> I'm over it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think he actually talked about having an editor. I mm-hmm. it may have been Da Vinci Code, I believe, tell him that he had some things he didn't. Yeah. Like he left questions that he didn't answer and he's literally tried like finish answering those questions and trying to do it in like 24 hours too like he was like scrambling to try to do it by the deadline (laughs) oh wait I have to answer all these questions now I think that's a great reminder of that's part of that beta reading that's part of the like when you have someone read for you ask if there's questions that don't get answered ask if there's questions that maybe get answered too quickly that you're like this could have strung me along a lot longer but it's like you you almost got and I think that's part of it too is not getting antsy along with your reader just Mm -hmm. letting it kind of sit and then getting advice from those around you who can be that (laughs) semi-objective observer who can say okay this was still a question in my mind or did you mean to bring up this question because I yeah I think that was great and interesting and it was a good also lesson to the okay try to make sure that you do um, and that you don't do a lot of throwaway things and I think that was part of it too is like being really um, intentional active in yeah exactly that having that intention of like this is a question I want them to have in their mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really liked too, the way he talked about like trusting your taste and trusting what you like. Like he talked about how mm, he had yes. for so many years read only these classics and things. And then he picked up this like thriller novel, like on a vacation that someone had left 
I think it was yes. a thriller or a suspense or something like that and mm-hmm. was just like wait yep. what there's books like this in the world <laughs> and I found that so relatable and like like I've totally have had similar experiences where I've discovered genres that I like didn't even know about and that I'm like oh my gosh I love this and it's fun and I, I just I loved how freeing he was with that like trust your yes. taste trust what you like follow that like because that will lead you to what you should be writing and I found that really encouraging I definitely like that too. And I, I liked also, he was talking about the, you know, it's not about the what. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the what that we don't realize that really that's, it's kind of a moot point. Like if we have two characters and we're setting them up to fall in love, probably they will fall in love most likely. (laughs) So it's not about the what, it's about the how, it's about how you do it. And it's about doing that in an interesting way that keeps the reader on their toes. Well, and And the why, like, why are they motivated to do this? Why are they after this thing? Like more and more, I'm feeling like why and how are really the questions you need to know. (laughs) And that's where you need to differentiate yourself. I think that's where you get into the specificity that makes your book exactly uniquely itself is in the whys and the hows. Like the, the what is kind of like, if it's a thriller, probably your hero is going to win. Like right. if it's a romance, probably your people are going to fall in love. It's not the suspense of that it's going to happen. It's how it unfolds. Yes. It's the special journey that is unique for your book. And yeah. that I think was that great reminder that it's like the tension isn't if they'll kiss. It's the getting to that point. It's growing to that, yeah. which I think we need the reminder. I think we need the reminder of like, it's not the mechanics necessarily. It's it's that, it's that going the journey. Well, and you can read 20 books that all have the same mechanics that have the same basic, like, this is what happens. Um, Exactly. But they can be totally different because of how the author did it. And like, that's what makes you stand out for sure. I really liked too, that he in his class like had you work through like okay let's take this concept let's take this idea here's our characters what happens next and he like worked it yes. through with you like here's what it looks like to actually start a book from the beginning and then work towards writing it and I thought that was super helpful and interesting too to just see his process in action as he went was fascinating absolutely and I I think the like growing the kernel of the idea to something that's workable in real time um it's i think the section is called building a story that is so useful because it's not that we're going to write this story that he built but kind of getting in connection with the layering how you get the layers how it goes from a simple idea to like getting that profoundness and the complexity the how do you choose this, you know, the secondary characters to come in and why? Mm-hmm. And I liked the, even just the thought process present in that as an example. I think that's one of the useful things about Masterclass and yeah. as well is getting into the thought process of approaching that. I mean, being able to literally like sit in someone's brain, like as they talk about building a story, because again, it's not something that we normally get to do, especially with someone who does it all the time and has a streamlined process that is unique for each book, but that can say, you know, this has worked really well for me. I also liked his 
ideas about punishment fitting the crime and like looking at moral ambiguity and how not to lose your hero like over that line and how to keep them sympathetic even when they do things that are morally gray I thought that was pretty fascinating yeah I totally agree even how he set up the class like I loved that at the very like he almost showed you and modeled for you what it looks like to build suspense by telling you at the very beginning like at the end of this class (laughs) this is gonna happen this is gonna happen and this is like I'm gonna show you something that no one else has ever seen I'm I'm gonna tell you a secret or I I don't remember all the things but he had like three things that he was like these are the three things that are gonna happen at the end of the class and you're like waiting for it you are you're like wait what is that thing and it just keeps you baited and hooked like till the very end which I think is something that his books are known for you know like I I found it really interesting too hearing him talk about his first few books and how they didn't do well I mean they they did well enough that the publisher kept him on you know like but just barely yes that was was so honest and wonderful too because it was like oh okay Um, I think he said he had two or three before um, Da Vinci Code and before like his big one that had done like, okay, but really had only done okay because he was like on the ground, like calling radio stations, getting himself to be on interviews, like being at bookstores, doing all the things, traveling all around the country, like just on his own, which I think was also a good point. Like you can make this happen if you want to make this happen, but it's going to take some really, some actual work and you're going to have to kind of put in the process. that was both discouraging well, and encouraging. <laughs> but it's it's also like looking at opportunities. I think it really makes me like reframe opportunities yeah. and say to myself, yeah, I'm it might take some sacrifice to make this happen and to to actually make that work. Take the opportunity. It's like when an opportunity comes along, it's like if you can say yes, because that gets you you know, it continues to add and feed like what you're trying to do. Yeah. Even if it's just an experience standpoint, anything that really continues you on that path is worth the time and energy. Yeah. That reminds me in um, R.L. Stein's class, he talked about how he got into writing horror stories for YA and, and kids and how he went to lunch with this editor and she w- was complaining because she had just gotten this book that was like horrible. And she looked at him and she was like, I think you could write <laughs> a book. Come back, write me a book about this. Like she had like two things, like the character and maybe this setting or something like that. Yeah. But write me a horror story for kids about <laughs> these things. And he was like, okay, sure. <laughs> so he went away and wrote it. And that's how he started like getting into it. And it just was like one of those opportunities that he had never thought of doing it. But that opportunity came along and he just said yes and it ended up really liking it and did well and so he kept doing it and it's like oh that's really interesting I think it's good to like look at opportunities that way like obviously yeah. don't take something that's completely not yours sure. but if you can like try it like yeah don't let the like oh I could never do that get in the way just do it see what happens yeah. like and I I think that reframing of an opportunity even if it's something that doesn't turn out the way you hope like if you do a you know if you do a book signing and there's like two people like Mm -hmm. it's still worth it it's still worth going out and doing it and I think looking at it from that different lens of it's like not everything has to be perfect not everything has to go perfectly well in fact if you think of it as a training mission then it's like oh that's fine like 
who cares yeah. if it isn't, you know, tons and tons of people or, you know, if I'm just talking to the bookstore staff about mm-hmm. books, like instead of actually having people to sign for like even just reframing that sure. perspective it's still of practice what, towards what you want to be doing and what you want to where you want to get yeah absolutely and just getting comfortable I think that's yeah some of it too is the figuring out what it is I think from a like getting into the mindset getting into the mindset of what type of effort it will take of yeah. really having to do a lot of things for yourself up front um I, I think getting in that mindset of, you know, very, very, very few people are going to be on that New York Times bestseller right. list and like able to just cruise, like it's work and it yeah. take, you know, treat it like a job and, and invest in yourself in that way. Yeah. Whether you're self-published or traditionally published, like it is going to be work for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So I have a question. What's the most recent one you've watched? So not favorites, like, but just most recent. So actually it's uh, Kelly Wurstler, um, her interior design one. Oh, yeah. um, so I, I yeah. actually branch out. I, <laughs> I, I haven't gotten into the cooking ones yet, but Brian's I, been watching I the cooking ones and loves them. I am very, I'm very excited. Like the grilling one feels really like I kind of want to be there. Okay. <laughs> Our new favorite thing is these, <laughs> sorry, this is totally random, but, but zucchini, we like do this thing with zucchini where you cut them in half and you salt them and like leave them. So they like, you know, the water comes out or whatever. And then you fry them face down in a pan with oil and then stick the pan in the oven. And it's like the best thing ever. And he totally got it from a masterclass. And it's like my favorite new dish. I love that. That is the joy of masterclass. Like it absolutely is. And it's funny. It's interesting hearing creative people talking about craft and process because there's so much overlap and there's things that maybe you don't use everything within this class, but there's things that you, what it is you're doing either. It might be professionally, but it might just be personally that it makes your life better. That's so one of the things I loved about Kelly Wurstler's was she's actually like introverted like like me so I'm like ah, you know you kind of like have that Bond a little, little. Bit. Like, yeah. you're like I totally she was talking about not like talk, not enjoying talking in front of people and she's like and I'm doing this like that that was fun in an interesting way but she was talking about like creating a vibe box hmm. to figure out the story of a room hmm. and like keeping it open letting things come and go and move in and out and figuring out what was the rooms and what wasn't over time and not being like, like if it's in the box, it doesn't mean it's going to stay there. It could move out. It could adjust. And I thought that was great from the story of anything, like story of a room that you're designing story of a story that you're working on a character that you're trying to figure out, like not being closed off to yeah. ideas, letting them kind of come in and go trying things on hmm. and seeing if they work. And if they don't, like listening to that and being like, okay, this is great. I love this idea, but it, it doesn't fit within this. this. Yeah. That was fascinating. And I liked also, she talked about color and color being connected with life and that vibrancy. Hmm. And I loved those ideas of kind of, it is like those unique little sparks that stand out that kind of 
give things life. Um, yeah. And it's the little details. And I think that's true both life in general, interior design, but also I think in stories as well. And so there was lots of things that kind of crossed over. So yeah, she's the most recent one that I did. What about you? I love it. Oh, that's so interesting. And I think that's such a great point about the details and stuff and, and the vibe box. I like that. Yeah. It makes me think of like Pinterest boards, right? That's what they're yes. for, like for vibe boxes. <laughs> and my Pinterest like things that I try on I let it be what it is yeah. and I don't judge it. Like I don't, if it feels like it might be the thing, like mm -hmm. if the feel is close, I'll put it in there. And if yeah. I need to take it out, I do. And there's no judgment of what it is and isn't. It's just part of the process of like feeling your way through to what it is. Love that. <laughs> so my most recent was uh, David Mehmet on dramatic, dramatic writing, which his was really interesting. Actually, it was he was kind of all over the place yeah <laughs> did you watch that one yes I have yeah okay. <laughs> yeah he told lots of stories he was very yes. all over the place but there was also a lot of really interesting like nuggets in there that I found just fascinating and some really interesting things about plot and plotting and kind of driving the plot by the motivation or the character motivation which was really interesting I thought he had some interesting like I mean, he got a little philosophical in places, but it was fascinating. Like he talked some about yeah. Aristotle's like rules for stories and it was just, it was very interesting. I thought it was very different from any of the other ones I've watched, which I appreciate. Yes. I really liked that too. And it was definitely all over the place. <laughs> what I, I loved was how stripped down, like he, yeah. he brought yeah. writing down to is like he has a pen and like he has a pencil and he has a paper yeah. and he sits down and he does it like yes. I, I love that he took out of all of the kind of bsing of yes. the oh I need this and I need mm -hmm. that like he was no nonsense in that he's like yeah you just need this and this like yeah sit down do it point like, a point b where's the character and going be, like yeah. yeah and be okay sucking like he yeah. he did a lot of that like get connected with the fact that you're going to be afraid <laughs> and that's okay like and that's just part of the process you're going to be bad at first and that's how you get good and mm -hmm. I liked the elements of like you just have to kind of put things you know like I like the idea of dialogue of kind of yeah. connecting with you know figuring out what works not yeah. doing it so much of the straightforward people like specifically you know talking <laughs> yeah. about what they want but everything that they're saying is working towards a goal and I yeah. like those elements of we don't often talk up front like we don't often say I want this like yeah. we do talk around things but we do have a goal and kind yeah. of connecting it with that of the like angling towards things yes. um, I yes. think was really he had a really interesting take on character too like very different from others and I'm still not quite sure what I think about it but basically he made this argument that there's no such thing as character and like forget all the character development all there is is what the character does and what they say and that is character and so yeah I like I said I don't I still don't know quite what I think about it but I do think it's really interesting to think like I can say oh my character is really compassionate or whatever it doesn't matter like that's not what like the reader won't connect with that it's yes. the showing and the action and, and like this I think was a lot of the masterclass people I've, I've listened to actually have talked kind of about the show versus tell thing and in ways that sort of debunk it a little bit and are like, no, you yeah. can actually absolutely tell when you need to. But I think this was a really interesting example of like when you don't want to tell and character like that character is built 
purely by what people say, how they say it, the words they use, and then the actions that they do. And that's the things that you need to focus on when you're building character, which I thought was really interesting. I liked how he, how he also talked about the ways he talked about information and that like your job is just to make things interesting. Like, so you don't need all this information, like leave that for newspapers or whatever. Like you just need to make things interesting. And, and I thought that that was really fascinating too. I don't know. I think, I think there's just a lot of things from his that I feel like I will keep turning over in my head for a while. And I think that's, that's, what's fascinating about this too, is you, you don't have to take anything, like everything that someone has said is gleaning things. Some things might feel strange or like I'm a little uncertain about, and you can just sit with that information and sit with what you think about it and how you want to use it. And I, I think going back into what you're looking at it from that perspective of often we have these almost mythologies that we built in our mind about what's going on with the story. And really the story is what's written. Like the story is what's there and no one's going to know all those mythologies unless, unless you info dump it, which wouldn't recommend. And I think reconsidering in what ways we can, bring out the things that we know about the character into the dialogue and into the action in a way that feels authentic. I I think that's for me, like what I kind of left with that, but there's certain things that he said that I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to sit with that Um, because he was very strong in his delivery. Yes. He's very opinionated. (laughs) Yes. it, It was, it was funny. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like reading on writing. Like yeah. <laughs> Stephen King. Like it felt very much like prescriptive. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Like it's fine that that's his way of seeing it. It's fine that he's he has a very strong opinion on all of that. Mm-hmm. They may not all be for you, but there's definitely something there, which I think is worthwhile. Yeah. Even though there were certain sections that I'm like, was there a Yes. Was there a real he like, would kind of go off on Dan's little bit? This yeah. one because we would kind of go off in in the storyland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it it was definitely well received, and I I would see it. Yeah, I thought um, so too. And I, and I think particularly because I do tend, I'm I'm realizing that I really tend towards more dramatic writing, more plot driven, more. Um, and so his was particularly, I, I found it particularly interesting for me. And I think there is, was a lot there that I really will sit with. I, th- I think one of the things that I loved too, was he made this statement that drama is an exercise in failure and talked mm-hmm. about how you can only really learn by getting something in front of an audience. Like, it doesn't matter if you yeah. think it's great. It doesn't matter if you think it works. It doesn't matter if you think that the character comes across exactly how they're supposed to come across. Like what only, the only thing that matters yeah. is getting in front of an audience and seeing, do they agree? Like, do they think it's good? Do they laugh when they should laugh and cry when they should cry and, and all those things. Yes. And it, he just talked a lot about how there are so many things that we can't learn without an audience and without like giving it to someone else. And I just have, I found that so true in my own writing already, just by giving it to betas and things like that. But also I think there's even more that you can learn as you give it to even more readers. And I found that interesting to like, to learn from your audience, whoever that audience is. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I, I think also in the realizing that things will fail, like realizing that there are parts that won't connect, realizing that that's part of the process is identifying where they're not and then adjusting them. Yeah, totally. Can I talk about one more? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. 
So Amy Tan is actually yes. one that I connected with really well. And I definitely wanted to bring it up just because I think I think that she had a lot to talk about from the emotional side and the emotional vulnerability and tapping into things that are true in order to tell stories that may be fictional, but that reflect truth. Yeah, I totally agree. The whole time I was watching that class, I was just like, oh, Laura, Laura, Laura. (laughs) Like this, it just felt like, yes, this is Laura. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, I think, I think from the introspection side, from the connecting with your memory, your yeah. imagination noticing and really um kind of connecting with the human experience she yeah. she told so many personal stories yes. that actually were very tightly linked to the stories that she wrote and it was so it's such a vulnerable yeah. exercise and visceral as well you're like you feel like you're on these personal journeys with her um many of them that were were probably very close to her heart and And traumatic traumatic I I think that from the taking those things from our lives Mm -hmm. to find the truth in our story that we're trying to write to therefore kind of imbue it with some of that experience that that emotion that will connect with someone else that might connect with their experience as well even though it's it's not exactly your experience it reflects elements of it um I think there was so much there and her writing process is very fluid yes it's funny because there I I did David Mehmet and then I did Amy Tan and I'm like oh it's like polar opposites yeah (laughs) Because their processes are just so very yes. different. Um, but that was great. Like, I think yeah. having that point and counterpoint that, you know, this is one way of looking at it. And this is another one. You can do it very fluid and you can figure out the story as it comes. And maybe it goes over here and you, you know, like hers are collections of stories that kind of yeah. grew and contracted and changed. Um, and I think listening to all of those different viewpoints taking what you you can I know some of these I'm gonna actually go back to over time um reread over my notes or maybe even go back through the class because they are there's so much there there's so much kind of meat on the bones and I know that in a first pass I will never get everything there sure um there's just a lot of wisdom a lot of you know this works for me and mm-hmm. see if it works for you. And a lot of truth from an honest, this is me as a human being, not the myth of the yeah. author, yeah. not me with my name and all of this. It, it kind of felt stripped down to like you, even with the ones that obviously were very sure of their way yeah. and very much like this is the way to do it you even just got like those elements of truth that was part of their being a person who is yeah. creative I think that's where I find a lot of the benefit is sitting there you know it's so personal in that you're like almost it feels like having a conversation yeah. and I-, I liked those elements of it it felt different than something like a TED talk or someone coming in and talking in front of a large group. It had a very, hi, I'm meeting you for coffee and I'm telling you 
these things that I've gained over time. And that I think made it really approachable, accessible. It allowed for, there's several that um, N.K. Jemison was really funny in places and just yeah. kind of dry sense of humor. And I laughed, like I sat yeah. there and kind of just enjoyed the experience. And there was a lot of those where you kind of connect, I think. Yes. I think something that st- stands out to me in Amy Tans too, is that she had some really great exercises and prompts mm. like her prompts were killer <laughs> like yes I didn't do them all but there were just there were a handful of them that just felt like wow that is a really interesting idea to think about or that would make a really interesting short story or like she just got you thinking in kind of a different way I think about the emotion behind a, a piece yes the I think they said they were pirates like she uses yes. that as yes <laughs> Like using the same words, but changing the essence of the meaning based on how it's couched, which I think the studies in how a sentence is put together and how it's framed. Yeah. It it felt like she went into this level that that I really connected with in terms of finding the meaning in the little details. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. They said they were pirates. Yes. So good. And so many different ways you could take that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. I feel like we could totally keep going because I know like, that's there's so many more that would be interesting to talk about. Um, it's absolutely. We should probably yeah. wrap up. <laughs> yeah. And, Unless you have any others that you like are just dying to talk about. Well, I'd say I'll just like say them by name. I'd highly, I like, I really liked Malcolm Gladwell. I think he had a lot to say mm. about critique. Um, which was interesting. I haven't watched this yet, but yeah. Yeah, he had some interesting things to say about putting things out in the world. And I like, even though his stuff is not fiction, I like his way of looking at things. Having someone who has mirrors, like, or or models, a unique way of looking at things and like putting things together, his structures are very it's very much like that getting into the structure and figuring out what suits the material. So his yeah. stuff was really interesting. And I loved just Judy Bloom from a, she's so honest. Like she's Yeah, just, I just started that one. I haven't finished it yet, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not completely done with hers either. I'm working through like, mm-hmm. she's, she's really open about yes. the parts that, are difficult for her and it's so ex- like it's just so accessible so yes. I would highly recommend those as well um, yeah. do you have any that you just want to mention by name that you well yeah I guess I can do the same I watched James Patterson too and I found that one really interesting he was another one that was kind of all over the place but there were definitely some like <laughs> nuggets in there that were really good um Margaret Atwards was great I thought she had a lot of great things to say I really enjoyed that one um Salman Rushdie I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> um, that one was really fascinating too. And kind of a look at like how weaving your own culture and your own history. It's some semi-similar to Amy Tan in that, like how to kind of take the things from your past and your own experiences and, and weave them into your stories was something that stuck with me from that one. David Badacci, Baldacci, I think is, yeah. yeah. Again, another one I can't pronounce. But, um, his was really interesting too. Like, again, his was kind of more along the same lines as like Dan Brown's, um, a little more practical. He talked a lot, he had a lot to say about research, which was really interesting and kind of both in terms of like, like he's, he does a ton of research and really like knows his stuff when he goes into writing his books, but then had a, had some really good things to say about figuring, like how to figure out 
what to include and what not to, and, mm-hmm. and had some examples of that, that I found really interesting. R.L. Stein, he's funny, like in a weird, <laughs> very weird way. Um, very quirky, super offbeat, dry sense of humor. <laughs> But his was really fascinating too. Like it was another one that got a little rambly in places, but that had some really interesting nuggets, both from his own story and then also just things he had learned. He, one thing I really appreciated about his actually was that he was like, writing should be fun. All these writers who are like, it's just so hard and it's this struggle and you have to like dig up. And he's like, no, just write a fun story. (laughs) And, And his was super commercial. Like you know, some of them are lean more towards literary and his definitely leaned more towards yes. like commercial writing. But I, I appreciated that. And like, he had no shame about that and was super open about that, which I thought was awesome. Like, yes, let's yeah. talk about this. Like, let's make it fun and have it, have fun writing them. So I, I liked that a lot. And then um, Billy Collins poetry one. I loved that one. That, that one was probably up there in my favorites. I really appreciate it. Like he had just this like calming presence really. So even he's talking about poetry and words and all of that and, and kind of storytelling through poetry, but just listening to him was just like, oh. <laughs> it's just nice. <laughs> and then I, I really appreciate it too, that Billy Collins did a lot with like, I mean, a lot of the authors will read from their own stuff and, and he read some of his own stuff, but yes. he also read a lot of other people's stuff. Like he nice. pulled in poems from all different authors and talked about what they had done and what he had learned from them personally and he even brought his friend on to like they both read their poems and then talked about their poems together and read some of their favorite poems and talked about that together which I thought was I don't know like I just loved the way he kind of shared the stage like that and he brought in two of his students too and had each of them read one of their poems and then talk about it and that was fascinating to just like hear these these young people hear their poems and then also kind of hear them discuss like how they came up with that or or how mm. how that poem came to be and why and yeah I, I just I really appreciated that he kind of pulled from so many places and so many voices and, and I felt like there was a lot to learn from that so I yeah that. those are the other ones I've, I've watched that I haven't talked about yet yeah. <laughs> well and I think one last thing mm-hmm. that I'd like to say is even if you're not able to sit down and like do a full class mm-hmm. what I've used before even for like the podcast, when we were talking about point of view, I there's a search function and you can actually yeah. put in a topic and it will bring up anything, any of the master classes that cover that topic. And that's, I've definitely done that several times. Um, yeah. Point of view is definitely one I've done. I think I've done one on plot as well and tension. And that's, I think being able to say, okay, I want to see what all these people have to yeah. say about this topic, but I can't listen to every single masterclass yes. <laughs> like all the way through. And I kind of don't yeah. want to. I just want to focus in on this thing. That's really useful as well. You can actually just do a search on yeah. a topic. And I'm so glad everything. you mentioned that. That's such a great point. Yeah. And, and so helpful. Like if you're struggling with a particular area or a particular thing, like to just be able to get a lot of different voices on it and hear the things that are similar in that and the things that are different in that too. Absolutely. And, and that's actually, I haven't listened to all of Walter Mosley, but I've listened to his based on the point of view. And I'm looking forward to re to watching more of his because of what he said in that it was fascinating. And I'm excited to see more of what's there. Um, And that's, it helps you find people that you might have potentially been like, I'm not sure that's the genre I want to like 
look into or if that's not um you know even in, in interior design and things like that or <laughs> in like like dressing and fashion you know you might not have found them except for doing a search and all of a sudden they come up and you're like oh that's fascinating and then you yeah. kind of connect oh yay so but, hooray for masterclass yes. <laughs> really i think hooray for for being able to learn like all the different ways that that we have access to learning from people who've gone before us and for writer from writers who have more experience it's kind of like getting to have a mentor i think like you know in a way that's maybe more accessible for everyone so absolutely because yeah. who really knows <laughs> that level of author like being able to have that opportunity but even like i think one of my takeaways is use your opportunities if you can go to a library and see an author talking about it being able to go and sit and actively yeah. listen uh, you know pay close attention take notes ask questions things that make you curious about how they work because there is stuff even if not everything they say is for you there's something there yeah um, there's some kernel that you can take away yeah totally Yay. So keep reading, keep learning from all different places, keep writing and keep putting your work out there. Thanks for joining us today. And we hope you'll subscribe and follow along with us for more fun reading and writing talks. <laughs>